Hey readers, welcome to the Brantford Public Library's Juicebox Book Talks. I'm Leanna. And I'm Laura. We are two Library 11 techs working in the Child and Youth Programming Department with a passion for children's literature. And this is the place to discover new and exciting book recommendations for kids. In each episode, we discuss a book we've read together as a buddy read, and then we choose a variety of titles for different ages based upon theme. We will explore books, spoiler free, available at the library in print and digital form, which include picture books, junior fiction, and graphic novels. So find your favorite book nook, get comfy, and let's get started. There's some great books that we want to discuss today, and they'll be perfect for December into January and all those cold months ahead. We chose classic for our buddy read. Um, you may have heard of it. It's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. And shockingly, Laura, you had never read this before. Nope. <laughs> I, I, I'll confess, I'm, I'm not a fantasy person. So I'm definitely, I was never in my life drawn to reading it. Does, that doesn't mean that I don't know about it. Um, I mean, who doesn't, especially if you work in the library world or you're interested in books in any way, shape or form. Uh, my nephew is very proud of me because he loves the whole Narnia series. So he's very proud that I'm actually reading this now. So there we go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the other thing that I noticed when prepping for this episode is a lot of my book choices were in that fantasy genre because I think there's a lot of magic and mysticism and just general awe in those books. And I think those really relate to this season. And I thought The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe was perfect. It really is the quintessential middle grade fantasy. Um, it is the second in the Chronicles of Narnia series, if you're going chronologically, right. but first, if you're going by publication, and we can devote a whole episode discussing publication versus chronological order, but we won't do right. that today. But I will say we veered towards going in publication order because The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe just has more of an effect on the whole series in general. And I think it really mm -hmm. grabs readers with the characters and their journey in this book than it does in The Magician's Nephew, which is the prequel. Right. So we went with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. If you've been living under a rock, this is about four siblings, four English siblings, Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy. They're sent away from London during the Blitz in order to safely live in the country with a professor who is someone who they've never met, which was super weird reading this now in 2021. Right. like, we're just gonna send the kids away live with this old man in this estate manor in the country right. and the kids are not like weirded out by it. They're just like, okay, here we yeah. are. <laughs> We're safe and sound. So one day the youngest Lucy discovers a wardrobe that she hides in while her and her, her siblings are playing hang go seek. And she realizes that the wardrobe is, is magical. It doesn't have a back and she's just walking through, going through the coats. And all of a sudden she's walking in the snow. She's feeling the brisk coldness and she's in Narnia. And she meets Mr. Tumnus and other characters, including the White Witch and the Beaver family. An amazing feel good fantasy middle grade. It really encompasses the whole idea of good versus evil. Absolutely. What you will do to sell out your younger sister. <laughs> like it has so much for so many readers that I think it really, I don't know. It is, like I said, it's a quintessential middle grade fantasy. And for me, it's funny. Like I, 
I was saying to you as I was reading it, like the the amount of biblical references that are in this book, which I mean, having been raised Catholic, like it was, I mean, I know my Bible. So, <laughs> you know, like you're hearing, like, I mean, you can see all those parallels, Adam and Eve, the temptation, Judas and Jesus. I mean, it just, yeah, like there's tons of biblical references throughout it. And I don't know if that's the intention, but I'm I'm sure in some way it is, but it's also hard not to go back to that original, those original stories, right, of the Bible when you're writing something. So, and also I have to say too, because I've never read it before, but I've read The Barren Grounds by David Robertson last year and loved it. And I mean, I knew there was comparisons to Narnia, but now that I've read Narnia or Language in the Wardrobe, I can totally see the parallels. And I love that Robertson uses his indigenous folk tales, just like we would here you know use the bible to bring in the stories it's fantastic it was great so i'm glad i read it and i definitely want to like continue this series now for sure so it was it was thank you for picking this one it was great i it, just, it was like an obvious choice i'm surprised right. we didn't do that last year in december right. yep it really is it's an amazing it's an amazing children's book and it can be read on many different levels you don't have to be catholic you don't have no. to get no. symbolism when yep. i read it for my one of my earliest memories in public school was it being read to me in grade two and I remember the teacher reading this and just being transported to this magical land like it really yeah. stuck with me and as I grew up I read it several times over the years and it had a different right. effect on me each time which I think is magical in and of itself so it wasn't until I believe university where I started to pick up on the biblical references and then right. you, can, you can study it in a whole course and discuss all the symbolism and Aslan and oh, lovely. Absolutely. Right. I mean, and I have to say too, I love the, there's a board book interpretation, which is uh, illustrated by Joey Chow, who I love. And it's super cute. It's adorable. Illustrations are perfect in it. So yeah. And I have to, when I, I went down a bit of rabbit hole, looking up some C.S. Lewis information, and I love this quote, and I feel like this quote should be the tagline for Juicebox Book Talks. Mm. <laughs> and it is, a children's story that can only be enjoyed by children is not a good children's story in the slightest. It's Which, so true. I mean, we know a lot of adults, parents, guardians, and teachers listen to the podcasts. It's not necessarily the children who are reading the books or right. reading the books, but as readers of middle grade and picture books and everything in between in children's fiction, mm -hmm. fiction as adults, like if it's not appealing to adults, then why would you give it to your kids? So we exactly we, one of the reasons why we choose these books is because we love them as adults and we know yep. children will love them too. Yeah. So pick up this is like this is an amazing readable classic. Yeah. It's an amazing adventure. It has perfect pacing, anticipation, and suspense. If your kiddos are into like Philip Pullman's The Golden Compass series, and of course, Harry Potter, you got to right. go back in time and pick up C.S. Lewis's The Lion, The Witch, and the Witch Wardrobe. Wardrobe. Great pick. So my next two books are picture books, one of which is a classic, and the other is a diverse retelling of a classic. So these two books are, the first one I'm going to discuss is The Snowy Day, and it's written and illustrated by Jack Ezra Keats. This is a classic picture book, first published in 1962 during the civil rights movement in the United States. It immediately drew attention from supporters and prominent public figures for featuring a black child as its main character. It went on to win the Caldecott Medal in 1963. 
And it is probably one of the most well-known picture books in the children's area. I think it's one of those, like every library is gonna have it. If you're looking for gifts, this is just the quintessential book to get for our young readers. It's amazing. It's been translated in many different languages and it's just popular like throughout the world. The story is simple. We meet Peter. He's so excited to wake up one morning to discover that it has, it has snowed all night, blanketing his town in white. He spends the day frolicking in the snow, making fun tracks with his boots, building a snowman and making snow angels. He pretends he's a mountain climber and trudges up a big hill of snow just so he can slide down. The story is super sweet and simple because it's told through the eyes of a child and it truly captures the innocence and imagination of being a curious child exploring the snow. Like I reread this and I listened to the audio, which is like three minutes. <laughs> like it's super, oh, I love it. I loved it. And I just, I was just like, I got chills. Like I'm just, because like I said, it's told through the eyes of a child. He's so innocent and he's just looking to play in the snow and investigate and just discover new things. And I love how he takes a snowball home in his pocket. And he's so sad when he wakes up the next morning because it's melted. And I think, you know, as much as it's a beautiful like story, there's a lot of teachable like little lessons in there. When you're For reading sure. you'd be like, well, why do you think snowball melted? And you can get into right. like some science. <laughs> um, I love it. It really brings me back to my own childhood. It's a great re read aloud. Definitely check it out. It is The Snowy Day written and illustrated by Jack Ezra Keats. So my next picture book that I read at the same time as The Snowy Day is a diverse retelling of The Nutcracker. This is The Nutcracker in Harlem, written by T.E. McMorrow and illustrated by the amazing James, James Ransom. This is a brilliant and diverse retelling of a beloved Christmas classic set in New York City during the jazz era in the 1920s. The illustrations are rich and colorful and beautifully evoke Harlem at that time. One of the things that really struck me with this book was the color blue. It's so hard to explain, but the pictures are just, they look like gorgeous paintings and the blue is just like the most beautiful blue I've ever seen in my life. They're gorgeous. Like James Ransom, I have to look up his catalog because he's an amazing illustrator. So at the beginning of our story, we meet Marie, who was our beloved Clara Care, like the regular classic Nutcracker. There's a family holiday celebration going on with lots of singing and dancing and piano playing, except for Marie. She's a little shy and nervous to sing and dance and loosen up with her family. Her uncle Cab gifts her a little drummer Nutcracker. And when she falls asleep under the Christmas tree, she wakes up to a magical world where ornaments, presents and toys all come alive. In this magical world where Marie must defeat, of course, the mouse army, and she finds her confidence after showing bravery to do so. There's lots of themes of music and family and just sticking up and being, sticking up for yourself and being confident. I love how the classic Nutcracker story is woven into this cultural and historical setting. The illustrations look like vintage paintings. Again, amazing. Inviting readers in with their warmth and charm. Details of the trees, lights, people, cars, and buildings are exquisite, evoke happiness and joy. It's truly a magical retelling. You definitely need to check out The Nutcracker in Harlem, written by T.E. McMorrow and illustrated by James Ransom. 
that book is like right up my alley, by the way. I mean, I did, um, when I did my undergrad, I minored in music history and that jazz area is like mm-hmm. my favorite. I excelled in that course because I was like, this is it. Like, this is my jam. Like mm-hmm. I just love, like, there's just something about that period in time in New York city, in music. Like, it's just, it's amazing. So much came out of that. Like, I can't wait to read this book. So my two picture books this month, I will start with, I've got my first one, which is Malika's winter carnival written by Nadia Hone and illustrated by Irene Luxbacher. Um, Malika, we first in, were introduced to during Malika's costume. So this is the second in the series. Of course, Nadia Hone has won awards, every for these this book series um it's brilliant she uh, and of course irene's illustrations are fantastic as well in this particular book malika's mom has remarried so malika is living in the caribbean and uh mom has met a canadian and has gotten married and now she's having to leave her caribbean island and move to canada she's moving to canada during the winter so not only is she moving to Canada during the winter, she's going to Quebec, which is going to be like pretty cold and pretty snowy. So it's definitely not what you're used to when you live in the Caribbean. Um, Malika's faced with many changes that are just not easy for a little girl who is missing her home and, of course, the people that she's left behind. Malika's home, as like I said, is in Quebec and her family tells her that they're going to be going to Carnival. Well, if you've read Malika's costume, you know that her costume is for their Carnival, which is definitely not what you're expecting when you go to Quebec. So Malika is just definitely faced with a bunch of different challenges. She's disappointed when she learns it's not what she expected. I'm not going to give too much away, but this book is really a book about perseverance. It's a book about resiliency. It's a book about um, adaptability. You know, change is hard for anybody, no, regardless of their age. And I love that this book shows that Malika is struggling with that change, but she's also learning how to embrace it. So it's a, it was a great book. I loved it. And that's Malika's Winter Carnival by Nadia Hone and illustrated by Irene Luxbacher. My second picture book is Song for the Snow, written by John Eric Lapeno and illustrated by Byron Eggenschweiler. I had Eggenschweiler as my illustrator back in October too. It just, I don't know, it just keeps coming up in my life. So I don't know, it's meant to be. Um, John Eric Lapino has won awards for his books as well in the past, and Byron has illustrated many, many picture books. So uh, again, stunning illustrations. I love the color choices throughout. It's definitely, there's lots of dark backgrounds, but lots of different light colors coming through. So lots of uses of like purples and blues. I mean, character is Freya, and she loves the snow because really what child doesn't? Um, Her town hasn't had snow for a couple of years, though. On a visit to the market one day, Freya hears a tune coming from a table. The tune is from a snow globe, and locals have said that if the tune is sung, it will bring the snow. So the snow globe is gifted to Freya. She shows it to her mother, and her mother says, oh, I know that tune. Her her mother, grandmother, used to sing it to her, uh, and the lyrics are, come home snow, fall from high, cover the trees, and fill the sky. Does that not like inspire you? I don't know. Anyway, uh, it's a heartwarming story about hope and about community. It's a great book about, I mean, it's also, I mean, you could talk to your kids about climate change and reading this too, because why is it suddenly not snowing anymore in this town? And I mean, there's definitely lots of different conversations you could bring up with reading this book, but I love that it's the magical wonder of a snow globe. 
right? When you look at a snow globe and you shake it and if, if it plays music, you play the music to go with it. And it just, it takes you somewhere. And that's what I love about this book. She has her snow globe. She's singing the song. She teaches the song to her friends. And I won't give away anything else other than to tell you that it's a great book. You should definitely pick it up. It is Song for the Snow by John Eric Lepeno and illustrated by Byron Eggenschweiler. Also add that the educational components to picture books mm-hmm. are amazing. Like I love that even as adults, we can learn little bits, whether it's science or about the environment and history yep. and culture Absolutely. and these little children's stories. I know. Like, I forgot to, I should have talked about Banam when I was doing Malika. Yes. I mean, like that's the first thing love, I thought of when you mentioned love Banam, right? Yeah. Or maybe <laughs> pop goes the world video. Yes. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> We'll, we'll save we'll save that one for the digress. Music. I digress. Okay. So, I, okay, I'm going to switch my stuff up because I was going to do emergent, but now you were talking about snow globes, so I have mm-hmm. a perfect snow globe. Perfect. You're welcome. I have a middle grade book that is about a snow globe, so which I can't wait I, to read. This one looks great. I picked up. So this book was brought to my attention by Laura. I had not heard from it. The title is No Ordinary Thing, and it is written by Gail. Zhang Schmidt. She goes by GZ Schmidt. She is fairly unknown, but she's also very new. So No Ordinary Thing is her second book, which came out, oh, pardon me, is her first book, which came out last year in 2020. And she has a new release this year. So she only has two books, as far as I know, under her belt. And this is the first one I've ever read. She's pretty unfamiliar. Um, This one is a middle grade fantasy. So I would recommend it to our nine to 12 year olds. And it's classified as also a historical fiction because it was set in 1999. So let's just- Okay, whoa. Let's just take a moment. Whoa. Think about that. Like that's hard, okay. Okay. So then they say Nirvana's classic rock. I'm like, Nirvana's classic rock? Anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so, so here's our setup. 12-year-old orphaned Adam is living with his baker Uncle Henry on top of their unsuccessful and struggling bakery called the Biscuit Basket. Adam, shy, reserved, and a little peculiar. He doesn't speak and barely interacts with the other kids at his school. Despite his many hardships, the loss of his parents, lack of friends, and living Near the poverty line, Adam and his uncle share a pleasant and loving home life. When a stranger vis- strange visitor in a raincoat visits and tells Adam to go up to the attic, the young boy discovers a magical snow globe. Adam finds himself hopping through time, encountering various points in the lives of three other children, Jack, Daisy, and Francine, whose stories intersect in various and interesting ways. We're also introduced to a story of Albert, a magician and the son of Irish immigrants in the early 20th century, and his search for three pieces of time, a snow globe, pendulum, and music box. These pieces of time all play a pivotal role in the story, connecting Adam to the past, present, and future. I love a good time travel story, and I think the fun adventure that time travel brings appeals to a lot of readers, especially our young ones. It's impossible to set up a story that travels back and forth through time without it sounding a little confusing or convoluted, but I promise you the story is not. It does make sense as you read it. Schmidt weaves a delightful yet emotional story about loss in all kinds of forms, 
including family. There's lots of adventure and magic in this beautiful story. It's charming and whimsical and funny and sad, heartbreaking and hopeful. She really checked off all the boxes of emotion. I especially enjoyed the names of Adam's teachers throughout the years. She goes on, there's one chapter where she's discussing how the teachers every year talk about Adam being a little bit quiet and not interacting with the rest of the classes. And she talks about Ms. Basil, Mr. Lemon, Mrs. Rosemary, and the insufferable school counselor, Ms. Ginger, who doesn't allow her sons to read fiction because it's nonsense. She wants to fire the school librarian and fill the library with only textbooks. <laughs> I love it. So this is perfect for fans of Roald Dahl. There's lots of whimsy and snark in the book. I think it will appeal to a lot of our readers. It was lovely. That's G.Z. Schmidt's No Ordinary Thing. So I'm going to jump in with my next middle grade because it parallels well with No Ordinary Thing. And I read Michelle Hout's Winter Frost. Have you heard of this one, Laura? No. no. I might know the cover if I've seen it. I probably, I've probably seen the cover. She's well known for her picture books. Right. And I don't know how many middle grade she had. If this, this might be her only middle grade. I'm not 100%. But I hadn't heard of it either. I, I was mm -hmm. totally in awe of the, the cover art. I thought it was super pretty. This is also a middle grade fantasy that ties in Danish folklore. It's set on the Larsen family on the flat snowy fields of an island called Lolland in the south of Denmark. So here's our setup. So 12 year old Bettina is left alone to care for her baby sister Pia after her more and far mom and dad are called away unexpectedly right after Christmas Eve dinner. So again, the first thing I will say is you have to really set aside any weirdness you feel about a young girl being left with her baby sister. <laughs> by her parents because it a, happens it, it, I mean, it used story. to happen all the time it's a middle grade fantasy we're in right Denmark. it's okay yeah it's okay until it's not okay and I'll get to that <laughs> being left alone means not only caring for her little sister but the farm and all the responsibilities it entails feeding the goats the horses and the chickens as well as keeping the fire burning in the bustling events of the evening, Bettina's family forgets to leave a traditional bowl of rice pudding for, the, for their Nisa, and the Nisa is not happy about it. What is a Nisa, you ask? Well, according to Bettina's grandfather, they are little creatures that help Danish families take care of their families. See, honestly, they look like little gnomes, if you look it up. I had to look it up because I'm like, I don't understand what this is. They're described as being friendly, elf-like figures mythological figures in Nordic folklore and can be multifaceted and interesting characters as depicted in the story. Our main disgruntled Nisa Klaka, who's our main one that we meet right at the very beginning, is prone to harmless fun and not so fun pranks and trickery that really set the stage for this gentle adventure. So her family forgets to leave out this like commemorative little treat for the Nisa and the Nisa is like, uh, no. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not going to tolerate this. So baby Pia goes missing during her nap and Bettina must find her before her parents get back. Can you please cue Labyrinth? I just pictured <gasps> right? and Jennifer Connelly like, oh. baby's gone missing. We're anyway, the but goblin. I don't think the, Nisa, the nieces are, they're not as, they're not as, um, scary as the goblins, but there was no, you know, cool goblin 
David Bowie. But anyways, I digress. This was a completely enchanting book. It's not fast paced, but the quiet tone really works in its magical favor. It's gentle and a lovely story about siblings and hope, responsibility, forgiveness, and believing in things unseen. We get to explore the snowy Danish countryside and beauty of an actual winter frost as Bettina sets out on her quest to rescue her sister in this cozy Christmas story. That's Winter Frost by Michelle Houts. So I'm here with my middle grade pick and actually um, Leanna's last one is about a journey and I feel like this book is about a journey as well. It's called The Sea in Winter and it's by Christine Day. Um, if you've ever seen the cover for this book, I mean, you'll stop. Like it, it will stop you in your tracks because it's just, it's beautiful. Like the beautiful um, snowy scene and then there's our character Maisie in her red and it's just stunning. Um, Christine Day is an Indigenous author. She is from the Seattle area and she's won awards for her previous book. And I just, I love this book. And it had a lot of buzz this year too. So I definitely was really curious to pick it up and see what all the, the buzz is about. Um, it's a beautiful story. It's hard though, I have to say too. It was definitely an emotionally hard book to read as a mom and as just a human being, anyhow. So I'll tell you about the book. The book is uh, The Sea in Winter. Um, our main character is Maisie. She's a 12-year-old. She's a devoted ballet student who has suffered a serious injury. Um, so right there, that's how our book starts. And I have to, I say too, that the book starts on February 15th, which I find ironic because it's the day after Valentine's Day. And we're introduced to the fact that she's suffering this almost like a loss. So like almost a heartbreak the day after Valentine's Day. Anyway, um, she's embarking on her Christmas break, or not Christmas, right? Not her winter break with her family, and they're about to take a journey. Um, she's been given the okay that she can go on this hike with her family. So they take a, a trip up the Pacific coast um, where they're going to visit uh, and, and explore different places that her mother grew up in. Her mother is from the Macaw community and they're going to explore along the way there. Um, she's struggling with school, Maisie. She's anxious to heal. Uh, and trying really hard not to let it, let it affect her. However, being a 12-year-old girl who's feeling lots of different things, um, she's taking that on her family. So anyway, um, she's watching her friends audition to ballet programs while her physical abilities are just up in the air. She's battling with so much uncertainty and emotion. She's given the okay, though, like I said, to embark on this midwinter adventure with her family, which will involve pushing her physical gains and hopefully not set back her recovery efforts. Her family's adventure is along the Pacific coast, like I said, and um, along the way, Maisie will learn lessons from her ancestors, and in turn, she'll have to learn to embrace her own strengths and also come to terms with the fact with things that she can and can't do. It's beautifully written. Um, Christine Day has a way of setting the stage. Like she just creates the atmosphere um, and the, the, the environment that you're in. She just is so descriptive and it was just so real. But uh, I have to say, like, I just, I, I love the journey that Maisie's going on, the finding of self-acceptance, having to come to terms with some things that are really hard. I mean, imagine being someone who has spent their life devoted to, not just ballet, I mean, ballet is just this story, but I mean, if you're a sport, a gymnast, a dance, art, whatever, and then to know that you're injured and this could just be it. And at 12 years old, you know, it's, it's hard. Like, I want to cry thinking about it because, um, 
I mean, I know how the book ends and I know what she has to go through. So it's definitely, um, it's a great story. Read it. Uh, the Sea in Winter by Christine Day. I think as soon as you started talking, all I can think of is being a mother of a competitive yeah. gymnast. And a dancer. Yep. Awful. It's middle grade. There has to be hope at the ending, right, Laura? And, that, and it so is. <laughs> it is for sure. And that's what I love about it because, I mean, she definitely has to, she's got to dig deep to find that hope. But when she gets there, um, there's a lot of other things that I won't tell you about in the book that you'll learn as you go. I mean, she comes from a blended family and there's things that she's never necessarily dealt with in her life that will come up as you read the story. So, I mean, I'm not going to tell you all that information and that I think just plays into everything that she's being challenged with really. So I just, there's just lots of layers to this book and I loved it. I, I think any adult would love this book too, just because, I mean, it's about self-discovery. It's about accepting things and yeah, I'm, that's, it's just an emotionally charged book. I loved it. So great. So I'm really excited about my next book. It's Patricia McLaughlin's The Poet's Dog. It's great for emergent readers. It has lots of magical realism, adventure. It's a bit of a survival story and it's short and super, super sweet. I will warn you, you will cry at this story, but they will be tears of happiness. The book opens with a little poem by Patricia McLaughlin. Dogs speak words, but only poets and children hear. This book is narrated by a dog, so if that doesn't appeal to you, you can pause and skip over to the next book we talk about. So if you have no soul, just skip over. I personally love books narrated by dogs, and this is one of my favorites. Teddy is our puppy dog. His owner, Sylvan, was a poet and teacher who died a few days before the story starts. Teddy is now in their cabin alone, fed by Sylvan's favorite writing student. When a severe winter storm hits, Teddy ventures out and finds two young siblings, Flora and her older brother, Nickel. They've been in a car wreck because of the snow and their mother has gone off to find hope, help, and they're left to just wait. Teddy leads them back to the cabin where they spend a few days learning to make fires and cook meals concocted from canned goods in the pantry. Teddy gets to know the two kids as they wait for the storm to end and help to arrive. He also reminisces about his life with Sylvan, which is both heartwarming and heartbreaking. I love how the present day is written in one text. And when we have the flashbacks about Teddy's life with Sylvan, it's in italics. So you know that it's jumping from present, present to past. And it is so sweet. Will the kids' parents come to get them? And will Teddy find a new home? That's the one thing you're just thinking throughout the book is... Are they going to adopt the dog? What's going to happen? This is is really a gentle story about love, loss, and grief. There's some, you know, there's heavy topics there. Grief is a big one. And Teddy is dealing with the loss of his person. And the kids are like, we're in a cabin and our parents are nowhere to be found. There's a lot of anxiety and stress going on. The story is told poetically and absolutely beautifully it's sweet and moving it's a quiet tale about surviving loss recapturing love and moving forward pick it up snuggle up under a warm blanket and really enjoy on a like cold chilly winter's night you'll love it that's Patricia McLaughlin's The Poet's Dog how am I supposed to follow that no I think we should just read it okay it's amazing and the cut let me just say we talk a lot about art 
the cover art of that book, like mm-hmm. hang it up in a children's bedroom. Yeah. It's gorgeous. We have Flora and Nicole and Teddy walking to their cabin. The well, I have to say, like, I love Patricia McLaughlin because I mean, she's this brilliant writer and she writes these like early chapter books, which I love. Like, you know, they're not daunting. They're not um, like 300 pages. It's not an epic book. So that's what I love about her. She can get so much into those hundred or so pages that she writes. They're a perfect like starter chapter book for kids who are just at that level and ready to read that, like, those kind of emotional stories. That's what I love about her books. I know yeah. they are amazing. And even the kids that are above that level. Absolutely. Like, no, for sure. Yeah. Want more like can read a denser 300 yep. page children's book. Yeah, you know they can read. They will read this in like an hour. Yeah, for sure. Really, and it's so rich with emotion and just it. Yeah, like you don't these books like it makes you like you will cry and feel. She's good. Real. She's good. I love it. It's one of my faves. Okay. Okay. Hey, good luck following that up. I know. Okay, so here's my emergent pick. Um, I I just I picked I picked a really cute fun book and this book is definitely geared to our beginner readers so like um like your kindergarten grade one readers depending on the level that they're at so my book is um it's the first in the series it's a unicorn and yeti series how adorable is that it's part of the acorn scholastic book series of like early chapter books I love them the book is called sparkly new friends it is written by Heather Aris Brunel and illustrated adorably by Hazel Quintanilla. Book one, um, it's a leveled reader. Like I said, it's a grade one. I love that it's a graphic early reader. So it's again, a great introduction to a graphic novel with your speech bubbles. The book is primarily written in speech bubble. I love that it's the different colored speech bubbles, just like you would find in Elephant and Piggy books by Mo Willems. So that's where you're at with your unicorn and Yeti. So if you're wanting to read this book with your child, you take turns. Who's going to be unicorn? Who's going to be Yeti? Love it. Anyway, um, it's a primarily speech bubbles. It's a feel good, fun read. The illustrations, like I said, are adorable. And I just absolutely love the color choices that just pop from this book. I mean, you'll see this book on the shelf and go, oh, that's definitely a cute one. Like, let's pick that one up for your, especially if you've got like a, a new reader who's just learning. It's great. Um, the story begins with a sparkly, neat, cute of these two unique creatures. They form a friendship based on love, support, and encouragement. The makings of a great friendship right and of course the makings of a great book series so this is unicorn and yeti the series the first book is sparkly new friends by heather aris burnell illustrated by hazel quintanilla and i highly highly recommend it it's just a really fun feel-good read i love it that sounds great laura okay so our final book is also an emergent we're really getting into the emergent readers i think there's they some are great ones. They are great. Yeah. And there's been some really amazing new ones. Yeah. Like this last one, I'm going to talk about Maggie O'Farrell's first ever children's book, Where Snow Angels Go. And if you don't know Maggie O'Farrell, she's well known for her, her adult fiction, especially the amazing Hamnet, which is about the life of William Shakespeare's wife. It's amazing. It's one of my personal faves. This is her much anticipated first children's book. Like I said, it's an emergent reader. So I would recommend to our young readers, seven plus. It's perfect for our readers transitioning from picture books to chapters, chapter books. It's only 67 pages, but beautifully illustrated by Daniela Jelenka Terrazini and narrated by the extremely talented Ruth Nega. 
honestly, I really think this book needs to be consumed in audio as you're flipping through the pages. Like if you have both available, do it. It's an experience. It's absolute magic. And I can't, like you need those illustrations, but the audio is stunning. It's it just, really is. It, transport, it transports you. I read it to, I yeah. listened to it at least three times. Oh, it's just, it's enchanting. And it's just, it's absolutely lovely. Here's the setup. One night, Sylvia awakens to an incredibly incredible sight. A glowing figure tiptoeing across her floor with enormous snow white wings. Hmm, what is this thing? He seems a little confused and unsure of what he's doing. He's muttering to himself, trying to remember his orders because this is his first flight to the real world. Could he really be the, the same angel she made last winter in the snow? Sylvie's angel says she isn't supposed to remember him or see him. He has, he has been sent to save her life. And when the danger is past, she won't remember he was there. But Sylvie does remember. She thinks of her snow angel every day, but he's not coming back. When nothing Sylvie does, no matter how risky, can make him reappear, she realizes he'll always be there unseen when she truly needs him. Told with humor and warmth, this contemporary fairy tale is a story of a spirited young girl who finds a way to bring magic into her own house and enlist it to bring a sense of wonder to those she loves. This is just oh. such a beautiful story. Did you read it, Laura? I haven't yet, but it's sitting like on my kitchen table. So yeah, but I've looked at it. Like I've looked through the book and it's, it's beautiful. So it's absolutely stunning. And Maggie, well, Farah, Maggie, my friend, Maggie, hey, Maggie. Writes, my buddy, Maggie, she writes in the author's note, how the idea of the story came to her doing during a really stressful moment in an ambulance with her daughter who was mm. going she was like in anaphylactic shock. She was scared. I know, triggering. She was scared. She didn't know like what was happening. And in order to calm her down and distract her daughter from like, you know, the hospital and the cold ambulance, she started talking about the snowing, like this, this story. And she basically, she was like, it's okay because there's a snow angel wrapping his wings around you and he's protecting oh. you. And that's where the story came from. And I'm like, right. why, why am I crying about this, Maggie O'Farrell? It's it's really the story, like essentially the story is about resilience because this girl goes, she has a scary moment and it's her right. snow angel that helps her. And he's like her little, it's like her guardian angel. Right. And I love the idea of this, how she's created this fairy tale whereby if you make like a real snow angel in the snow, then you've created a snow, snow angel who's going to watch over you. And that's why the little girl gets her family and her grandparents to make angels. It's so sweet. I loved it. Please pick it up. Maggie O'Farrell's first ever children's book, Where Snow Angels Go. I just have to say, I mean, I love all the picks that we've done this month and really like there really truly is something magical about the snow. I mean, I don't know the, the excitement that kids get when they see that first snowfall and I feel like all of these books in some ways have encompassed that they're all about you know the journey of a snowflake in some ways each book um I don't know I just I just think snow is magical I really do as much as I sometimes curse the snow I'm like oh I don't want to shovel it anymore and I definitely get tired of the winters here in Canada but you know what like it is definitely when you look at it through a child's eyes and you just sit back and appreciate the wonder and the beauty of it, snow really is pretty magical. 
Yeah, I loved how we bookmarked it with the snowy day, the episode yeah. of the snowy day and where snow angels go. It's and just- our kit's great too. Like wait till our take and make kits are gonna be available on December 7th at both locations. And there are lots of fun to go along with what we've we've talked about this month. So yeah, we hope you yes. like them. And spoiler alert, they do have a Narnia theme and you may or may not be creating your own snow globe because- right. So definitely pick those up and we will see you in the new year when we'll be discussing some of our favorite books from 2021. Thanks so much for listening today. We hope we've introduced you to some new authors and children's titles. All the books discussed today are available in print and digital format on either Overdrive, Cloud Library, or Hoopla. Please visit BranfordLibrary.ca for more information about this podcast and other fantastic programs the library has to offer. Thanks. Bye-bye. Juicebox Book Talks is a Brantford Public Library podcast developed by Leanna Flumiani, that's me, and me, Laura Virag. Music provided by Purple Planet through purple-planet.com.